0: Three, one there are a lot of people who lie and get away with it. Over the North
1: Atlantic, toward the East Coast of the United States. <laughs> the other tower just collapsed. President Kennedy died. That's one of them. The <laughs> America? America? It's a mystery. It's a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside of an angel. People network. have got to know whether or
2: not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. In this episode of Inside Jobs, Brian, Gene, and Lee investigate the Knights Templar. The speed with which the Knights Templar gained unrivaled financial and military power in the medieval world is matched only by the suddenness of their downfall. However, many claim this religious order of knight monks lived on, preserving secret and terrifying knowledge, protected by a special brand of heresy. Joining me to investigate the Knights Templar are civilian investigator Eugene Franks O'Neill, Hello, And conspiracy expert, Lee Golden. May the glory of Christ guide us in our endeavors today. I'm historian Brian Lane. Welcome to Inside Jobs. Guys, I think we're going to have a great episode today. Oh, it's fine. (laughs) But it could have been greater because I had planned to visit Los Angeles to Mm. visit one Eugene F. O'Neill... Uh, but something came up and so I had to cancel the trip, but I hmm. feel like, I feel like had I been there in LA recording is, with Gene,
1: like, can we acknowledge this momentous occasion for once? Brian was the one canceling plans.
2: <laughs> for once. I was capable of canceling plans. I just got canceled on by the cancel <laughs> <laughs> That's my, that's my TNT drama show. Yeah. Um, so,
1: Brian, is this what you usually experience when someone cancels plans on you? Just uh, kind unmitigated of, relief?
2: Yes, relief I don't have to put on a show. <laughs>
1: I thought you were going to say put
0: on a shirt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but what's crazy is, like... Gene, I think at one point a couple years ago you were going to come to New York for one of your siblings' graduations, but that canceled too. Um but I haven't hung out with you since 2008. I think we might just fall into a pattern of n- never seeing each other again. Yeah. But but staying in that. but staying in almost co- constant contact online. Yeah.
1: I'm fine with that. I wish all my relationships went that way.
2: <laughs> no. You wish most of your relationships involved a good dose of upvoting one another. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was sad, but, you know, hopefully my reasons for canceling will work out, and I'll have a job again soon. <laughs> um, Are you weeping right now? No, I'm laughing. Um oh, okay. But uh, we're going to be covering the Knights Templar today, which is um, kind of uh, some of the conspiratorial aspects of this are kind of silly and supernatural, uh, which is stuff that we don't often cover. But there is a lot of really interesting history involved um, and a lot of interesting historiography involved. So I think it'll be a very interesting topic now. I I don't think it's controversial if I admit to the fact that I, my own personal well of historical knowledge is uh, much greater if we're talking about, say, World War II, than it is about, you know, 12th and 13th century medieval Europe. Um, so even though I did a ton of research for this, uh, I might... Uh, gloss over some things or sort of, like, you know, com- compact the story more than I usually would. Man, in you can about hear that. the
1: 12th and 13th century scholars sharpening their knives.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: all seven of them.
0: <laughs> Have you been listening to that knife sharpening podcast again, Gene? Because can you turn that off while we're recording?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. It's just so
2: good. <laughs> <laughs> um... But uh, but this is a really interesting topic, uh, and it's interestingly it starts on January thirtieth,
1: nineteen thirty three, <laughs> and then it goes back in time,
2: and then goes back several centuries. <laughs> because
1: part of Hitler's plan for winning the war was to build a time machine. And then go back in time to discover the Holy Grail. Yeah,
2: that was that was the part of the Nazi plan for winning the war that also involved summoning Hellboy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was just uh, they were devoting a lot of financial resources to a lot of off the wall plans. Mm-hmm. Um, it was but, pretty lofty. But no, it actually goes back to uh, the time of Jesus Christ himself. Uh, we talked about in uh, another episode. Uh, the one that uh, Jean let us in about sort of the historical Jesus and who this guy actually was. Um, And in that we mentioned that thinking about Jesus in that way and thinking about him as a real person who existed uh, only sort of started in the the 17th and 18th centuries, more, more the 18th. Um, But back, you know, once uh, Constantine, the emperor of Rome converted to Christianity after having a dream and being told that if he uh, waged war uh, under the sign of the cross, that he could, uh, you know, win, win his military battles. And he converted to Christianity and converted the Roman Empire to Christianity. Uh, That's a lot in
1: the 5th century, right? Of, uh,
2: that yeah. is in the 5th century. It's like four, it's, yeah. I think it's actually like 406 A.D., that's uh, really why
0: most people become kind of born-again Christians, is to, is to kill people. I know that's why George W. Bush did. Exactly, you know, he really wanted yeah. to be able to wage war, but he's like, I can't because I'm not a devout Christian yet. Well,
2: well to be fair, he also wanted to quit boozing. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, and also, he
1: had just seen the movie Constantine with Keanu Reeves. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. That was also an effect of his boozing. This guy's kind of like me. <laughs> Um, but, uh, <laughs> once the Roman Imp- empire became Christian, Christianity spread, you know, near and far, uh, the Roman empire controlled such a huge amount of land, uh, including in parts of Africa and the middle East that, um, people converted to Christianity and took the, you know, it wasn't codified at the time, the Bible as being like, these are, in the Bible, and these are Apocrypha, and these are totally discounted. there are just a lot of different texts moving around, and people mm-hmm. believed in them and believed them to be fact so the Bible yeah. was kind of like the internet of the time yeah, it was like mm-hmm. the it was like the internet of nineteen ninety seven right before snopes dot com was founded right um
1: and both were founded by George Soros. <laughs>
0: You could only get the Bible through a dial-up connection back then, and it cost like twenty dollars a month. Yeah, oh
2: man, and when you went over your allotted hours, your mom was pissed. Especially if she was trying to make a phone call while you were on there. <laughs> um but uh so there were a lot of stories about, you know, relics related to Christ and his demise. And at this time, Jesus and Christ were the same. You know, there was no division between the concepts. And so Constantine's Empress traveled to the Holy Land uh, gathering relics, including a piece, supposedly a piece of the true cross. Mm -hmm. And during this time, relics like this were considered to be very valuable, not just for Uh, the reasons that you might set, you might travel make a pilgrimage to a church to see a relic and donate money to that uh, church, but also the power that could, uh, was thought that they could instil so the idea of having a piece of the true cross um, could help you win as a, as I said earlier, help you win in battle um, mm-hmm. help you have success in your financial military and social endeavors and the fact that this piece of the true cross was recovered in the fifth century was uh, considered huge yeah. Of course, it was split well, up. Also at the the, the, <laughs> the
0: that point in time in Texas, they were running out of wood to do crucifixions. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really difficult to find the right wood. And then there was eventually a court order to reveal where they were getting the wood for the uh, crucifixion. So it was a big kerfuffle at the time.
2: Man, that is a reference I just don't get at all. <laughs> it's, <okay.
0: laughs> it's a thing that's happening. Okay.
2: I've been traveling a lot. I've I've only been reading about the, the Knights Templar. I haven't been. reading. You were literally
0: years. just traveling to Texas, though. I know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was pretty drunk there. Um. And so was it? <laughs> yeah, they were. Oh boy. Um. But uh. But so the the piece of the True Cross was split, and pieces traveled around and got lost. But the this the, this these relics, um, like that. Uh, were considered very holy, very important. And the actual location where Christ had lived was also considered sacred ground to the Christians. And this uh, is just sort of a, a formative background for this story because next we have to jump ahead to the 11th century, the late 11th century, and the papacy of Urban II. Um, he, he had a lot of street cred, unlike some of the other popes. <laughs> well, that's why they, he he got that name, Urban. Uh, he succeeded Pope Scarface the um, <laughs> third. But uh, the the situation in Europe at that time is kind of co- uh, kind of complex to describe, and it's uh, intrinsically tied to the situation in the Middle East at that time as well. Um, but. Basically, this is the background to the beginning of the First Crusade. So, when we hear about knights today, we're often we often think of uh, romances uh, like the Matter of England, which is the story of King Arthur. No, um, I think people just think of Monty Python. I don't think people think yeah. of what you're talking about. <laughs> um, typically, pre Excalibur. Monty Python,
0: pre- uh, that Heath Ledger movie jedi
2: knights that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, the clone wars uh, the <laughs> yes. christmas special the battle Was of this anywhere. the first clone wars
0: because i know that there were some clone wars that were coming out of france and there were some that were coming out of england so this, i'm not sure which one this was
2: this was the one that had the the creative staff behind batman the animated series oh,
0: oh this was bruce tim okay <laughs> yeah
2: bruce tim um no uh so the fir- the when people think about knights, it's often like chivalry and romances, fighting dragons, that sort of thing. But actually, they're more like roving bands of thugs. <laughs> yes, uh, Europe was populated by uh, knights, and knights were, you know, generally from noble families or aristocratic families because being a knight was so expensive. You had to afford multiple horses, you had to afford armor, you had to afford dragon weapons, food, dragon bait. Uh, you had to. Hire squires and other assistants in order to help you not only put on your armor, but also assist you in battle by holding extra weapons. Uh, It was kind of like being a
0: a rapper. Like, you know, the rapper is really like the talent, but he has like this entourage of other worthless
2: motherfuckers that are just kind of falling around the country. Yeah, it's a big entourage and that gets really expensive. So, Gene, are you just giggling in the back? (laughs) Yeah, I'm laughing because
1: Blank is kind of the original rapper, is how we get kids today to be interested in anything in school. Christ
2: was like the original rapper.
1: Um, Did you guys know Shakespeare was the original rapper?
0: (laughs) He smoked blunts all day long and got shot several
2: times before finally dying. Um, uh, And he drank a lot of that scissor. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. No, uh, so so knights. It was very expensive to be a knight, and so in order to pay for that, knights would just go around, kind of getting into fights and murdering people and raping, and there was no guiding principle for these knights. And so it was pretty, pretty much romance. like a game where you're a knight, where you're yeah. just like, all right, I gotta level up and like get some gold by just like fucking
0: killing random people.
2: Yeah, it's it was, so that was a really awful situation, and there was no uh, authority at the time that could sort of corral them. Um, it
1: wasn't a knight's code yet.
2: There was yeah, there was no me- uh, notion of chivalry at the time, and it's also important to talk about the kinds of authority that existed throughout Europe at the time. Um, the Pope there were no uh, authorities. The, the Pope and the Church were considered supreme, and the authority of the Church was uh, superior to that of sex- secular authority. That being. Of kings and dukes and other uh, other rulers of fiefdoms around Europe, it's, even Duke Newcom. It's important. Um, it's important to realize that like countries, countries. Duke of Newcom. <laughs> he was French. He was le duc de Newcom. was <laughs> <laughs> um, always telling the Duchess of Newcom to shake it, baby. <laughs>
1: Uh, Sorry, Brian. <laughs>
2: so, so the, the, there were no such thing as like nations at the time. There were just, uh, you know, areas of land that were ruled by a king, um, and the king's power was uh, subject to that of the popes. Uh, during this time, there, were, you know, prior to Urban II, there were a lot of what are known as reform popes, and this is basically because the papacy got kind of fucked up this is the beginning of uh popes being sort of bribed into power and having allegiances outside of the church to families and dominant you know clans in italy and elsewhere so this was the pope's
1: going wild phase yeah this oh, was perhaps.
2: the this was the pope's gone wild phase and uh it <laughs> would do anything for beads. <laughs> 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 yeah give me those prayer beads <laughs> um, um so this is the beginning of the the institution of the reform popes these popes were trying to uh, solidify papal power uh, and the church's power while also cleaning up a lot of the sort of dirty elements that had grown over a thousand years of rule um, urban ii uh saw the problem of these marauding knights and saw the problem of there being no cohesion in European affairs, the differences between Christian powers coming into conflict with one another and fighting. There are a lot of different wars at this time. Um, Now, the schism had already happened. And the schism is the separation of the Western uh, Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Catholic roman uh, catholic church so the eastern catholic church was located in constantinople what is today istanbul as we all know from
1: tiny tunes
2: um uh, and there were a lot of attempts by the popes prior to urban but then urban ii included to uh, get that schism mended and to bring the christian churches back together under one mm-hmm. uh, papal authority Um, yeah kind of the bringing the east
0: like east side and the west side was like one of the most difficult things for urban popes were the
2: original rappers (laughs) it was the original rap war um urban would
1: often brag about fucking the seleucid king's wife
2: (laughs) uh, um uh so but also at this time constantinople and the eastern uh branch of the Catholic church were coming under attacks by Muslim forces in the Levant and they're really suffering. Uh, Mm. So urban saw this as another reason to form a crusade. He, in this very famous speech that he gave in Clermont in France, uh, where he announced his intention to rally the righteous for a holy war in the holy land uh he mentioned a lot of these things you know the the fact that <laughs> christian jesus sorry <laughs> christian jesus christianity needed to be saved from the infidel hordes but also that people who were sinning in europe by fighting one another and knights that were marauding around and raping and pillaging could absolve themselves of sin right. by going and on debt, a, too going on a holy war sorry
0: And debt, too, basically. Yeah. Um... It was a way to like as they kind of made this march uh, from Western Europe uh, towards the Holy Land to kind of corral as many people as possible because not only could you just be a, you know a soldier but just any kind of like ruffian or vagabond who had a debt or mm-hmm. a crime that they wanted washed clean could join up so basically uh, but they would have to like get to the Holy Land first, so it basically was a, a really great way to motivate these guys to be vile and uh crazy marauding bastards yeah
2: but but you know Towards This, you know, Muslim enemy of the church.
0: Sure. Dire- and they killed plenty of Jews and Christians on the way oh, to
2: God. I we can't even get into it. So I've doing all this research. I've resolved to read, you know, like a really huge book about the Crusades because all of the history that I learned is just incredibly interesting um but there were you know like th- th- there was an a huge sort of semi spontaneous german pilgrimage that uh came up to go to the holy land about 20 years or so before this first crusade which is in 10 um 86 uh and they just spontaneously traveled to the holy land murdering jews along the way willy nilly huh. um and actually, seems so out of character out for of the character germans. for the germans to uh, just get up and randomly start killing Jews for no reason. Well, German pilgrims were the original rappers. <laughs> <laughs> um, So uh, the crusade, uh, Urban thought that he could, you know, inspire all these problems to sort of solve themselves together by getting all these men, warriors, to go towards the Holy Land. But what he didn't realize is that he would inspire so many impoverished people to you know feel the the spirit and go along too and he tried to do things like prevent men from bringing their wives and children but women and children just started going the old and infirm started going there was a huge mass exodus of people towards the the jerusalem and it became a problem at first because the first wave were these peasants led by this guy peter the hermit uh who is this kind of lying preacher who claimed he he had been to jerusalem and knew all these things and that also involved a lot of i don't know It's wrong it's to laugh he just didn't know his way around jerusalem yeah well, it's wrong to laugh he they committed a lot of horrible atrocities on the way uh, just murdering people not having any weapons really just going into religious fervors and murdering jews and burning down jewish communities um peter the hermit ironically
0: named because he was surrounded by tons of people and traveling across all of europe (laughs) (laughs) i I doubt his name was even like he was kind of like joe the plumber he's not a plumber and his name's not joe uh like little
1: john it was an ironic nickname
0: right
2: he was the original rapper (laughs) (laughs) yeah um uh, and then the the actual crusaders went along, and this is, uh, this is a group of knights that are not so much interested in the uh, absolution that the pope has preached, but more interested in the loot and booty that they can get along the way. So the first crusade was one of many, and when the crusade... Oh, sorry, I didn't even finish my thought. All of these rich uh, knights and barons and people from... Italy, who have just, like, awesome names, um, like, uh, there's so many cool names in the first crusade, I don't want to fuck them up, the um, Duke of Duke, there's, the,
0: there's cool names in the last crusade, too, like Indiana Jones,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: so there's Godfrey of Bouillon, there's Bohemont of Toronto, Tancred of Toronto, Alexios A lot of Canadians in this. Uh, this yeah. one <laughs> <laughs> um, good comedy scene up there. <laughs> and yeah. they basically the first six, the first crusade was the only successful one. Uh, about, they think that about sixty thousand Christians left Europe for the Holy Land and just started massacring uh, Muslim populations as they got into what uh, areas that are you know today like um, Syria and Jordan mm-hmm. and Israel horrible massacres if you read um romantic poetry about the taking of uh jerusalem like horse deep in blood yeah they talk horse about keep- deep in blood Riders you know are, are uh, peasants just drowning in oceans of blood as they massacred their way uh, through. Possibly but, hyperbolic, possibly not. It's yeah. just unclear. Regardless, it, it's it's clear that there was, you know, an awful... It was gross. Yeah, an awful, awful uh, legacy. But the Crusaders were able to take all this land and they formed um, uh, four primary, what are known as Crusader states. And these were Christian states ruled by, you know, each one ruled by new dynasties uh, that were set up from uh, some of those people that I just mentioned, like Godfrey of Bouillon and... Um, uh, right, like there was Bohemian. the old dynasty from the
0: 80s, but then they tried to reboot it on NBC recently, but it didn't go as well.
1: Right.
2: Much like that joke. <laughs> 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 but uh, the, the, the four main crusader states were Edessa, Antioch, uh, Tripoli, and then the kingdom of Jerusalem. And the kingdom of Jerusalem is the main one. That is where, um, you know, obviously the site is holy to the three ma- major Ab- Abrahamic religions. Um, and the Christians started a, a new uh, dynasty there, the, the king of Jerusalem. That passed through from Godfrey. Um, if you ever saw that movie, Kingdom of Heaven, um, I'm sorry, uh, but also uh, the the um, leprous character that um, Edward Norton plays who wears a mask baldwin. he he is the King of Jerusalem. That is he is sort of the Stephen time Baldwin we're about the King of Jerusalem <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. also, can Ridley, speaking of that movie, can Ridley Scott make a fucking movie that doesn't have a marketplace scene?
2: Can Ridley Scott make a good movie?
0: Uh, in the 21st century, no. I he can make he can make good movies that take place in the 21st century, just not actually being made in the same. Man, come I don't... on, Alien,
2: Alien. Oh, yeah. Alien. Yeah, that's the only one. Or is that yeah. Tony Scott? That's no. <laughs> you're thinking. Tony talking. Scott is the Scott you're thinking of that can't make a good movie. Oh, okay, we, we can't make a good movie because
0: he's he's passed away. Okay,
2: yeah. Man, also somebody recently pointed out that we shit on movies all the time and. Now that I've become aware of it, yeah, that's all we do. Yeah. I don't think we ever talk about movies well, we like on this show. For the
1: record, we all agree on Alien.
2: Yeah, Alien is really good. Right, come on, Blade Runner. No, nah, I'm not a fan.
0: It's not even a story, Brian. It's a tone poem. <laughs> yeah,
2: Blade Runner should be
1: good. Yeah, Blade Runner should like, be good. It feels like it's a good movie, but it's not. Blade Runner is that crush. movie
0: that you rent when you're a kid because like Harrison Ford is like hanging off of a ledge, and there's like space cars flying around, like oh, this is gonna be badass. And then it's just like a lot of talking and poems.
1: Oh, yeah, man,
2: a lot of still good. Which normally does it for Brian. <laughs> 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 um, so the Kingdom of Jerusalem was founded, and the. A lot of the knights that went on went crusading either, you know, died or took their loot and went back to Europe. But a lot of them stayed as well. But they didn't really stay in numbers that could really keep these crusader states safe. And there was a lot of pilgrims, as they you only say. Left <laughs> <laughs> <Billy> they left one guy there, Billy Baldwin. <laughs> they left one guy there, but he was like eight feet tall. Really strong. It was um, just two kids in a giant knight uh, armor <laughs> suit. <laughs> um, but uh, so the the king of Jerusalem immediately had problems uh, in governing the state because there were all these new locations that they had to administrate. There was the local population that had to be, um, you know, sort of corralled into following the new the new ruling order. And there were all. Wait, Brian, you're saying that a Western
0: power invaded a country in the Middle East, but once they got there, they had a hard time maintaining a stable government. That that doesn't seem to make sense.
2: Yeah, the uh, the parallels continue from there, Osama. (laughs) Um, but uh. There were all these pilgrims now that these crusader states had popped up and this holy land where supposedly Jesus Christ and the disciples and uh, John the Baptist and all these figures from the Bible had actually walked on and lived and done things.
0: Basically, tourists wanted to come and visit and like get trinkets.
2: Yeah. Tourists wanted to come and get trinkets. And Which is pretty much exactly yes. what Jerusalem is
0: like today. <laughs> it's a bunch of people who actually live there because they're from there. And then just a, a bunch of
2: obnoxious tourists, like, coming. Gotta get by. those yeah.
1: trinkets. Gotta
2: get gotta, trinkets. gotta get them trinkets. Gotta get those trinkets that are made in China. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the stability of the area was uh, was still very much in question. And so these pilgrims that were traveling to the Jerusalem and the other crusader states were coming into contact with, uh, you know, basically rival Muslims who were still attempting to reclaim the land that they had just been thrown out of. And so there were a lot of situations where pilgrims were massacred uh, or imprisoned, um, and nobody was a fan of this in, uh, uh, of the Christians. And along comes this dude with the worst name to have to pronounce over and over again um, dick ballsmith <laughs> uh, his name is uh, the the like Frenchified pronunciation is Ug de pain um, <laughs> is just the ugliest shitty name I've ever come across de pain. I, if you're if you are looking to look this up yourself um, or just even imagine the name in your head basically his first name is Hugh, H-U-G-U-E-S, is an alternate spelling. And the last name, DePain, is P-A-E-Y-N-S, but sometimes spelled P A Y E. Wait, so his name,
1: if you Americanize the pronunciation, is Huge Penis? Yeah, that is true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I just like translated it, and it was, uh, it was Huge uh, T-Pain, but uh, I think that that's close. Huge, well, huge Dick. Uge yeah, was the original rap.
1: <laughs> he was the original, yeah, exactly. Uh, so Huge the, the original I mean, to be a pretty good rap name. <laughs> yeah. so for the, purpose the original of show... gangster, if you will. So yeah. for the
2: purpose of this show, I'm just going to refer to him as Hugh DePin. Um But, <laughs> you know, get, go crazy out there on your own. But uh, Hugh Dupin was traveling around. <laughs> I know. What is a name we can call him that isn't ridiculous? Hugh Dupin. <laughs> It sounds like how, uh,
1: like, David Wayne would comically pronounce, like, a French
2: name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, we're just, I'm just going to have to say it a lot, because this dude is important for the story. Um, He was uh, a a French, obviously, uh, a French knight who had come to the Holy Land and was upset by what he saw as a lot of the betrayals of the ideals of the crusade of the original crusade and people
0: weren't murdering and pillaging anymore and he was it, like guys come on
2: this is not true the ideals of the crusade guys i can walk i can run my horse through an entire field with getting getting no blood on yeah the i'm soles just of ankle deep in blood okay yeah. i want to be horse deep in blood um but uh, he he traveled to uh, the Holy Land um, with uh, a couple other folks, and they in concert with the Pope at the time. And by the way, so many popes uh, rule during the um, period of the Knights Templar, and I'm just going to refer to them as random popes for most part, except for towards the end when the, the actual individuals become like there important.
1: were wait, like uh, like popes were ascending at a very frequent rate or there were like co-popes? Well,
2: we're talking about a period. Well, (laughs) Jesus, there are, there are rival popes eventually. Um, but we're talking about a period of 200 years where the Catholic church was ruled by a succession of William Henry Harrison's. Um, okay. So, uh it's just too hard to remember them all and keep them all straight so i'm just gonna... it's kind of like the chicago episode like
0: all of like the bugsy moran and al capone like all the different guys names yeah. just just call them the,
2: the the pope yeah so the um so uh huge penis and the pope and the uh, king of jerusalem <laughs> walk into a bar the park says, <laughs> uh um they uh, gr- they they decide that there should be a military religious order dedicated to preserving the Christian rule in the Holy Land and to the protection of pilgrims. And they called it America. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, uh, this order was supposed to be resemble. Uh, a monk's order in a lot of ways, specifically in that they pledged the the same three uh, vows as monks, which is uh, chastity, poverty. yeah, poverty, yeah. chastity, and obedience. And those yeah. three things are going to become very important as the story goes on, so I'm going to repeat. So chastity, these... chastity means no fucking. Uh, <laughs> poverty, which is at the time... Uh, The concept of poverty not only uh, involved financial poverty, the actual concept of being poor, but of having no power over other people. Um, Mm -hmm. If you look at the word poverty, it comes from the same, etymologically, it comes from the same uh, word that spawned the word power. Um, And this was a very important idea that there would, that they could have no power over other entities. Uh, and then the final one is one of obedience. And this is... Uh, this develops in uh, interesting ways over the development of the Knights Templar. So I'll go into that more as we go along with the story. So these guys were basically the opposite
0: of rappers because they weren't in, <laughs> they, they wanted to have no money, no sex, and follow all the rules. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Uh...
0: They were just girl magnets throughout the Holy Land.
2: <laughs> there were origin- Oh, So this is um, uh, the Knights Templar, and they were called this because the official name was The Poor Fellow Soldiers of Christ and of the Temple of Solomon. The Temple of Solomon being... Actually, Gene, uh, this is kind of in your wheelhouse. Can you talk a little bit about the temple?
1: Uh, right. Well, the, te- the uh, first uh, Jewish temple was built, I think, the... 10th century BC by, or the 9th century BC by uh, King Solomon, who uh, followed, I think it was the second king of Jerusalem after King David, Um, and it was raised by the Babylonians in 586 BC, I (laughs) want to say, probably mainly that year, but it is the 6th century BC, Mm. Um, so I don't know. What else do you want me to say about old King Solomon? Like, king Solomon was known to be like uh despite building that temple, he was remembered as a very like uh well, I guess not the ideal Jewish king. He uh kept a lot of concubines, something like numbering in the five hundreds. Uh he was okay with having he threw a lot of uh relics and icons inside the temple. Um I think he even endorsed uh to some extent um polytheism mm. um,
0: he mixed so, like, meat and milk just uh, he wasn 't a doctor, just very, very displeasing to his mother. yeah well I, so he could' kind of, play the violin
1: he, he brought <laughs> Jerusalem obviously to uh some great cultural heights, but uh he was and, and, also kind he was also denigrated by the prophets
2: and despite its destruction, the temple had been reconstructed uh you know on the same spot multiple times um uh after suffering these horrible you know invasions by varying well, parties
1: one one other time
2: one other time i'm sorry that was in what like it's like 66 ad or something
1: yeah herod built the second temple
2: okay so uh the king of jerusalem Not
1: 66 it was raised sorry uh, yeah it was Yeah, sorry. It was burned down again in 66 AD.
2: Okay, so... Not rebuilt again. um, The king of Jerusalem, in the founding of the Knights Templar, decided to give the the location of uh, the Temple of Solomon to the Knights as like a headquarters. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is why they are called the Templar Knights. It's after the temple. Um, You might have heard about another order of knights called the Knights Hospitaller and they are named after the hospital because they were founded around the same time, and their mission was to treat the wounded and the the poor um, but specifically to serve as basically a huge hospital for uh the crusaders and their you know various uh needs to take care of wounded soldiers um so they were founded. In order to protect pilgrims and in order to protect the Crusader states against the Im- enemy Muslims, and this is only about thirty dudes at the first. At, at first, and uh, a lot of people are opposed to this idea, including a dude back in Troyes in France named Bernard of Clairvaux, and Bernard of Clairvaux is a monk there who was. <sighs> It's not really important to go into a lot of his ideals but he was a he very much towed the line of uh, religious orthodoxy at the time. If you've ever heard of um Abelard and Héloïse, uh this famous poem uh that is uh probably most famous to people if you've ever seen Being John Malkovich when Uh, John Cusack is doing his original puppet thing. He is doing Mm. a representation of Abelard and Heloise. Abelard was a, a, a monk who, you know, had a sexual relationship with a woman, which was forbidden, but also had a lot of unorthodox ideals. And Bernard of Clairvaux was most well known at this time for kind of dismantling him in a public argument, uh, over theological issues, specifically ret- about pertaining to the Trinity. So this guy was very much uh, an orthodox figure in uh, ordered Christian belief and work. Um, and when this idea for the order of these knight monks came around, he was opposed. But after meeting with um, uh, Hugues de Pain, Uh, I I, I hesitate to say it because it's just so awful. Um, But after uh, working with him, he realized the great potential for this kind of order. And he went about working to uh, he wrote a text supporting them that also included a number of bylaws and rules in order to keep this night uh, nightly order very disciplined, devoted to Christ and the mission of Christ of the church and uh, having its own special rules that made it you know unique unto itself um, so let's talk a little bit about what it was like to be a knight Templar um, take us back if you will Brian
0: to the days of the Templar <laughs> tell so, us a little bit about what it must be like
2: the knights were uh, clad in uh, these so the, okay there are knights in the night. In the knightly order, but subsequent to that other people are allowed to be you know work for them who aren't considered mm. knights but are part of the order. These are known as sergeants, but primarily knights were seen as the you know upper echelon of the order, and right. they would wear these white tunics with a red cross painted on it, uh, representing the fact that, as we were talking about earlier with these relics, they were in charge of one of the last remaining pieces of the of the true cross uh the you know administration or the care the caretake of which they shared with the knights hospitaller that other order that worked in a mm-hmm. hospital in Jerusalem um, they had this red cross on they, but then they also had to wear this braided um rope around them at all times uh mm-hmm. the reasons for which were never discussed and knights who were part of the order and didn't even know well
0: some say that it was the original braid of the cross that it was the original beard of david cross uh that was given to him (laughs) (laughs) that was given after the uh, first
2: cancellation of arrested development yes um I
0: actually, no. I think it was before the first cancellation of Arrested of element, but after the cancellation of Mr. Show. Uh, so that kind of that that dark time.
2: Um, but the, but this was uh, seen uh, conjectured by historians to uh, have aided in the pr- preservation of their chastity uh, because they had to wear it at all times. Uh, knights <laughs> were, no one would fuck them while they're wearing it. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, knights were forbidden from bathing. Um, that also will keep you chased. Yeah, because. They weren't allowed to be seen uh, naked by anyone, because the armor would rust if they did. (laughs) They uh, had to eat. They had to eat meat only three times a week, and that was only to keep up. You know, to get the protein to keep up their strength. Yeah, well, they were on a paleo diet, so (laughs) they trained all the time. uh, And Brian, you could have been a knight. Yeah, this is basically (laughs) what I do with my life these days. (laughs) Never fuck. (laughs) <laughs> never bathe, never bathe. Eat only three times a week. and exercise all the time. you've yeah. taken a vow of poverty um uh they weren't allowed to come into contact with any strange women, uh but they were also uh it was heavily discouraged from even meeting with close female relatives. Because uh, they might just, like, try to fuck them or something. Yeah, yeah, really. And if they were, they had to go with another knight to sort as like sort of a chaperone. They were never allowed to own more than six dinars, and I tried to find out how much that is, um, but I couldn't really find a comparison. It's basically nothing. It, they, they were not allowed to own anything. No,
1: that was a lot of nars back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> they. Uh,
2: were as i said required to train and each knight was required to keep 3 horses in good order and was allocated a certain number of uh assistants in for their military uh responsibilities that is an interesting thing because one of the symbols of uh, like the emblem of the knights templar is a image of a horse with two men on it yes and, and this, is this is said to represent this is said to represent how poor they were in, you know, the individual knights were in that they couldn't even afford sure, one that's horse. That's why the two guys were on one horse. They yeah. were cool. Yeah. Just <laughs> fucking. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, the, the knights were initiated in a secret ceremony, which we'll get into later. Uh, so far, being a knight sounds pretty shitty. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. Um, yeah, it, but Being a horse in there sounds pretty great, though. It really was. They were required to pray seven times a day. They had Oof. to eat in complete silence. Um, and when they were given a task, they were required to obey.
0: Eating um, in complete silence sounds like Orson Welles' marriage at the end of Citizen Kane.
1: Hey, now. Um, hey. Stick so they lived a live the very fix. Spartan lifestyle. They did live a very Spartan lifestyle. And Except I think the Spartans got to at least fuck each other.
2: Yeah, they at least got to yeah. fuck each other. Well, and then, they had those cool slow motion shots. Yeah, we'll be talking about sodomy a little later. <laughs> Um, yeah. Ooh, why stra- not we just skip to it now? Now, it's, as we'll I be see- talking about sodomy and strange kisses too. Yeah. As I said, as I said, uh, the vow of obedience is uh, kind of interesting because the type of obedience we're talking about in a military order is one that is very hierarchical. Uh, there are, you know, foot soldiers who uh, answer to their immediate su- superiors, who then answer to, uh, you know. Growing tree of different, um, yeah, leaders with the head being the grand. Foot soldier is reported to
1: Master Shredder.
0: <laughs> yeah, but exactly in the first episode that you you found out actually that the Foot Clan were actually robots, so that way you could kill a bunch of people on TV, but they weren't real. Yeah, so no parents blood.
2: would let you watch it. No you know? blood. Um, the Grandmaster was in charge of, uh, you know guiding the order in its uh, day-to-day activities but also in its grand strategy and Hugues de Pain, the first Grand Master, was in charge of sort of giving it its foundational uh, impetus, which as I said, protecting <sighs> pilgrims, protecting the Crusader states but it quickly grew under his uh, under his uh, rule and developed further under future Grandmasters.
1: Whose rule was this?
2: Oh, uh, fuck you. Ug de pain. <laughs> um, uh, so the knights immediately started expanding, and uh, the it's very difficult to expand when you're only eating meat three times a week. But yeah. they did their best. Well, they were carb loading. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, the popes in succession started granting greater and greater. Um, uh, oh, fuck, what is the word I'm looking for? Greater and greater authority? No. Uh, independence, I guess, to the order, uh, and it basically Incessions. the the three things that are important to realize is that they were they answer because they were only answer they only answered to Christ. The representer representation of Christ on Earth was the Pope, so they only answered to the Pope. No right. secular authority could control condemn or investigate the knights templar
0: so they were this like stateless army that was basically like roaming all around all of the major european countries and the middle east doing whatever the fuck they wanted (laughs) and they had tons of money
2: basically the cia they're basically the cia in oliver stone's imagination (laughs) um uh, another thing that they were (laughs) granted was uh They could lend money and make money off of it. That comes later. Uh, Oh, okay. Sorry. uh, Another thing, and this this comes later, but it's important to understand, is that there was one caveat to that. And that is that as the Inquisition, which later started and and was ramping up to sort of figure out who were enemies to the church, the Inquisition got so much authority that the Inquisition... Was allowed to investigate the Knights Templar. Yeah, but n- nobody would really accuse them of anything because they were because con- they were so powerful. They were so powerful, and they were s- considered to be so, you know, chaste and uh, and religious. If Chasteful you need some to information
0: religion. on the Inquisition, just Google search Mel Brooks Inquisition History of the World.
2: Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, now usury and money lending were considered sins in this period of christianity uh, <laughs> lending uh at uh, but
0: killing people for no reason yeah killing people not. pretty
2: good actually that's a whole fucking discussion and looking into saint augustine is actually very interesting but f- who cares that's a re- that's one of the reason bernard of clairvaux was originally against the knights is because he didn't see killing in the name of christ as being holy but he sort of turned around on that anyway oh man i can't wait to talk about saint augustine after the show <laughs> um but anyway Uh, money lending was, was, uh, one of the reasons that, uh, Jews are historically, um, What, Brian? Oh, God. Are, uh, sort of stereotyped as being in banking or being, you know, money grubbing is because Christians were discouraged from practice, from doing those things. However, Jews were allowed and encouraged. and encouraged and so it was actually a very fruitful uh, industry for jews in these you know very anti-semitic locations around europe to get into um well because money lending
0: is a fundamental aspect of any large economy like in order for uh-huh. an economy in a country to sustain itself you need to have money lending uh, so it was it was a required aspect of the society but since the, the Christians weren't allowed to do it then the Jews basically and they weren't the Jews we weren't allowed to do any other jobs this was the only job we could do and then since we were forced to do this money lending job then everyone would turn around and say like oh you guys are money grubbers yeah because yeah. it was the only it, it would basically be like if um, the only, like, Christians weren't allowed to build roads, and they, the Jews were the only people who could build roads, and then there was a stereotype that we just love building roads.
2: So the Knights Templar, though, were charged with the protection of Pilgrims to the Holy Land. And one thing that they recognized as being enticing to bandits— uh, Ryan, can
0: you say Pilgrims to the Holy Land in a Sean Connery voice,
2: please? I probably can't. Pilgrims to the Holy Land yeah there you go we are pilgrims Um, in an unholy land i fucking uh anyway um one thing that they recognized is that uh to make pilgrims less enticing to marauding bands and muslims and other people that might want to attack them is to take the money and treasure off them because when you're traveling to the holy land you have to take a lot of money in order to fund your journey uh so what the knights de- de- developed was this system of banking that they sort didn't of, have travelers' checks or Amex back then, right? This this method of bank, banking that skirted the church's rules, but uh, made them incredibly wealthy. And what it was is basically, as they expanded and they had all of these temples and uh, that housed the order all over Europe, they say say you're in Paris and you want to travel to the Holy Land, you would go to the Temple Order, and give them all of your treasure. They would give you uh, basically a bank order, uh receipt for what you had deposited. You could travel all the way to Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem, go to the Jerusalem branch of the Knights Templar, present them with this receipt from the Paris branch, and then they would give you all that money. Um, now, they did charge for this service, but it wasn't considered uh, against... You know, against the church doctrine because they described it as rent, rent, you when you were depositing money in that Paris bank in that Paris uh, temple, you were renting the space that was required to house that gold. And when you traveled to Jerusalem, you were paying whatever the fee was for that rent. Uh, so, this was a really nice uh, eh, scam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, Knights... that was the
1: Paris Washington Mutual.
2: Yeah, this was a pretty <laughs> good scam that the Knights were running. And because, as Lee said, any major economy, and these economies are growing every day in the medieval progression towards, you know, sort of a modern world, um, the Knights were lending money to people of huge importance and huge wealth this included kings the king of paris or the king of france uh invested a lot of money with the knights templar uh the pope himself had entrusted almost all of the you know major treasures of the catholic church to the knights and they as what they were charging this storage space quote uh they were getting a ton of money now as as we said earlier the vow of uh poverty uh involved having no power over people but it was also the traditional view of poverty which is you know being poor the thing is individual knights were poor they only were allowed a very specific amount of personal property but the order as a whole grew incredibly wealthy and so the, the Grand Master was able to exert considerable control over, you know, all of its debtors, uh, including the Pope, kings, other knightly orders, and it became basically the, the blueprint for future uh, international banking institutions in Europe. In fact, there's a, like one of the conspiracy theories is
0: that actually the uh, Swiss bankers, are uh an evolution of the Knights Templar.
2: Yeah, one one of the reasons being is because the Swiss flag is well, because the Swiss are known for their banking, but also the Swiss flag is a square with a red cross on it, very similar to the uh the Knights Templar. Um so as I said during this period of time, we're talking about 200 years. Oh, did I even give the year when the order was founded? It was 11 uh fuck, where is it? 1119 is when it was founded. So about 30 years after the beginning of the fervor for the first crusade. And during the next 200 years, as they were growing their banking, um, there were, you know, a bunch of subsequent crusades and most of these crusades or, you know, it didn't turn out that way in the end, but they were all inspired by the fact that the Muslims were organizing and driving the Christians out of their crusader states. So Edessa fell, Antioch fell, and eventually, after the Battle of the Horns of Hatton, <laughs> uh, Saladin, leading uh, a huge army of, God, what are they called, Mamluks, M- M- um, was able to take Jerusalem back from the crusaders, driving out all of the uh, order, and capturing and torturing and executing a ton of knights, uh, including Knights Templar. Yeah, and knights. that
0: that battle that you were just talking about was, like, kind of the turning point for the Knights Templar. And basically, yeah. there was a newly elected uh, Grand Master at that time. And he um, – there was a lot of, like, grudges that were going on at that time. And one of the ways that you would kind of, like, get back against people you had a grudge in the order would be to just go against everything that everyone else was saying. So he basically had this stupid plan that he was going to ride on – Towards Saladin's army in the middle of the day with like no water instead of riding at night, um, and so they they did that and um, the the knights were totally disoriented and had like no water and it was totally hot so they they set up camp. Saladin's armies came in, lit like this crazy brush fire. All the guys were disoriented and they got killed easily. And one of the the parts of the oath of the Templars is that you can't ever leave the battle. You basically have to die, which is why they were feared by even you know by people like like Saladin's armies. Another However, element
2: of that vow of obedience.
0: Exactly. However, the Grand Master dude, he totally let himself get out, um, and like I think that he got put up for a ransom, and uh, you know eventually they. They they bought and him Mel out of there.
2: Gibson <laughs> Mel Gibson refused to pay. Mel Gibson refused to pay. He went on TV uh, offering all the money to anyone who would kill Saladin.
0: But then they then they uh, they got him like a, another battle a couple years later and cut his head off.
2: Yep. Now uh, thank you for that, Lee. That is I. Uh, that battle is very important because. Um, Rumors rumors were abounding about the secrecy of the Knights Templar, but the fact that that guy had escaped, the Grand Master had escaped being put to death by the Muslims, was very controversial, and there were, you know, some rumors uh, going around that he had converted to Islam himself. Um, it was well known that um, when Muslims captured the, the Christians, that they would often haze them i guess is a good word for it by making them renounce christ compel them yeah compel them and by making them renounce christ and do things such as spit on the cross Mm -hmm. so that that that's a very important element but uh with the with the christians all driven out of the holy land the night you know the knights templar lost the temple of their name and they were forced to retreat into cyprus
0: and there's also great. a rumor that they had um, lost the the piece of the cross. Oh, that wasn't a rumor. They did. They actually did. <laughs> well, yeah. I wasn't sure if they actually did have a piece of the cross. Well, they had was what was yeah.
2: considered to be a piece of the true cross, and they did lose sure. it at the Battle of the Horns of Hatton, which, by the way, was mm-hmm. called the Horns because there are two hills. But in depictions, it looks like Satan's horns, like rising yeah. around the Sweet, surface. Yeah.
0: Um basically the whole battle between like Saladin and the Templars it was basically over their swords because the Templars had like these straight normal swords but then like Saladin they had these like cool curved swords and the Templars would always make fun of those curved swords but Saladin would be like no man sometimes chick's dig them. Cut that joke out <laughs>
2: <laughs> Nope that's like staying. my curved penis <laughs> That is stagging. Um
0: Okay the, yeah uh,
2: so <laughs> The order was founded to protect pilgrims to the Holy Grand. Now, they couldn't do that because there was no staging ground, because they weren't there. And to protect the Crusader States, which they had failed at. So, kind of abandoning a lot of their knightly military uh, aspects, they turned more and more to banking. And they... (laughs) That's where that that chainmail really... Help <laughs> <laughs> so they became basically like at this point, the Knights nice Templar is basically a huge order of banks. And one person that they are, and we're getting into you know, skipping ahead now to the early 1300s. One of the person people that they lent a lot of money to Philip Lebel, Philip Lebel, Philip the King of, of the France, the, the, Philip the uh, fourth or sixth, I can't remember. Yeah um fourth and sixth uh he was philip the yeah. fourth yeah sorry uh yeah it
0: was either a philip hope or return of the phil i i can't remember oh, which Jesus one it was christ um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah he's, his name is philip the fair but it's not because he treated people fairly it was because like fair as in like he was a good-looking guy yeah he, he, did, he not did not treat, treat anyone fairly, fairly.
2: <laughs> um He uh, was borrowing a lot of money from the knights because he was – this is a really interesting period in terms of papal and Christian authority over secular authority and the development of um, sovereign sovereign states. Um, Philip was trying to consolidate his power in France, and he didn't want to have any rivalry uh, with the pope. Uh, He pressured – Oh, gosh, he pressured the popes had traditionally been Italian up until this time, but he was able to pressure the popes into uh, or the uh, cardinal authority to elect a French pope, Clement. Clement overthrew Pope, <laughs> pope Wario the <III. laughs> third, Clement the fifth, and in doing this, he had actually sent uh, this guy Guillaume de Norraire um he had sent him to attack just have a stroke brian i might have (laughs) oh all these fucking names um uh he had sent Guillaume to attack and take hostage an earlier pope boniface uh and the reason that he wanted to do this is because boniface had issued a papal bull um The basically reiterating the authority of the pope over secular kings. A a papal bull, by the way,
0: is like a a statement, uh, a a pronouncement that everyone has to follow.
2: So uh, Boniface had had done that and had also issued uh, an order of excommunication again. Or sorry, he had written uh, an order of excommunication against Philip the Fair, but he didn't have time to issue it before he was attacked by Guillaume de Nogaret he was about to click send but yeah he was about to click send and he got arrested but he, he did die even though you know he was freed and his um, the uh, pope that uh, was elected after him Benedict uh, died only after eight months and then in order to sort of assuage the or mollify Philip's uh, actions against the church um, the cardinals did elect Clement that French pope and Clement was—he was elderly, as popes tend to be. Uh, he was—he was not super healthy, um, but he was interested in this, as opposed to all those young virile popes that we I have now. Uh, and it, yeah, he wasn't really a. Uh, oh fuck that joke. Um, <laughs> we're so far into this, and we still have so far to go. I um,
0: know, Jesus. We haven't even gotten to fucking um, Tom fewer. Hanks's mullet.
2: I need to read fewer books when I'm researching these things. Um,
0: or you need to read lesser books, books uh, with good. with, I like with that. ill repute.
2: That is right up my alley in terms of terrible jokeness. I love <laughs> that joke. Um, um. So Clement was, uh. He he wasn't going to follow through with his ex- excommunication of, Phil, of Philip the Fair. Uh, he was going to sort of um, go along with a lot of Philip's uh, ideas, but Philip uh, was not completely mollified by this election of this French pope. They were at differences, and Philip realized that just the uh, the fact that the pope assumed that he had power over him. Uh, was a threat to, you know, an independent France. And there was a threat over a schism between the Church of Rome and the Church of France. And Philip hatched this incredibly complex plan. Um,
1: he was... would knock out all the power in Las Vegas.
2: <laughs> he was... There's a legend that... Uh, Sorry, it's true that he was crazy in debt to the Knights Templar, uh, who he had borrowed a lot of money from in order to um, fund expansions um, in eastern parts of France, which weren't – eastern parts of what is today France, which were really independent fiefdoms at the time. Um, And he was also, crazily enough – What is today France, what was then known as New Orleans – (laughs) <laughs> there's some something crazy that he was doing uh actually led uh, about 20 years after all of this happened to rival claimants to uh england that resulted in the 30 years war, or the what is it the 100 years war um so he was involved in a lot of intrigue and trying to get his power you know, expanded and solidified. And so he had borrowed a bunch of money from the Knights Templar. And there's a legend that he went to their temple in Paris, which is in, uh, it's destroyed today, but it was in the Le Marais district of Paris, um, which is interestingly enough now, uh, a Jewish neighborhood, um, but uh he, why is that so fucking interesting Brian? Yeah, huh? Brian. Well, we can't have neighborhoods. <laughs> well, just in the sense of how we were talking about Jews being sort of isolated into the the banking industry and here he is going to the sort of work around banking industry. I don't know, maybe it's not interesting. Maybe this whole fucking episode's stupid. <laughs> um, Brian, no. But he went man. he went so he went in Zip there and he, and he saw how rich the temple was just what level of treasure they were holding and they were giving out ipads yeah they were giving out ipads free and we're talking ipad airs (laughs) yeah the newest retina display retina display um and he realized just how much money there was and how much he stood to gain by asserting his authority over the Knights Templar. Now yeah, remember, I don't know how
0: many fucking iPads I could get if I could. Order now this remember,
2: Christ. they're the only person that the knight, knightly order of the Templars ha- had to answer to was the Pope. Secular rulers had no control over them. But Philip decided to basically claim that authority for himself, and in doing so he staged this multi-year plan he uh using that guy who also helped kidnap the the pope boniface uh, guillaume de Nogare, he started getting rich people into the order uh and they were spies they were on the lookout for you know questionable activities that the order was doing in secret we we already talked about some of these rumors that they that the order had secretly converted to islam and so they were looking for things like that what 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 were they up to behind closed doors that might be offensive uh not only to the kingdom of france but more importantly to the christian church and they came up with a litany of things and then again that weird loophole in the rules of who could accuse or investigate the knight's order he he went to the french inquisition and explained that he was acting in defense of the church in accusing the knight the order of uh, the sorry the knight's templar order of practicing heresies and so in doing so he was operating within the rules in that the church authority was going to then investigate uh the knights templar but it had been brought into order by the king a secular ruler who Mm -hmm. supposedly had no authority over these knights so in september he sent out letters all over europe and it was basically you know because the rate of travel and the rate of messages uh the rate of post uh took so long he sent this out in September and the planned date was at daybreak on October 13th eight uh, uh sorry October 13th 1309 Friday the 13th yes exactly Friday the 13th uh which uh I looked into and some people claim that yes this is where Uh, the movie came from (laughs) (laughs) no yes this is where um uh, superstition about friday the 13th comes from but other people say no it's a it's a more recent invention but anyway uh at daybreak on friday the 13th uh october friday the 13th 1309 secular uh, guards and soldiers went to every order temple around europe with arrest orders and because they're working from the Inquisition. Hey, did someone
0: here order an arrest?
2: <laughs> because they're working eight minutes or less and it's free. Um, eight because, minutes or less and the arrest is free. Because they that were. doesn't even make sense. I know. Because it was from the Inquisition, <laughs> they had to go along with it. And so thousands of knights all over Europe were rounded up. Now, because Philip was operating... You know, essentially assuming church authority in order to do this. This happened all over Europe, not just in France. In France, it was the most severe, and all the arrested knights were thrown into very dank prisons. But in other places, like oh, um, very dank, or they had really good weed. <laughs> other places like Germany, uh, the arrest orders were not carried out. Um, yeah. But so this is primarily like, why should we arrest these guys? They're not Jews. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they arrest Jews in Germany. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> on but jobs. in in France, they were all arrested and thrown in prison and then tortured. Severely tortured in some cases. And so Philip went to the Pope and he's <laughs> like, hey, look, uh, acting for the Inquisition and the protection of the church, I arrested all these people. And look at all of these uh, confessions that I've been able to get. And the Pope read these confessions and... Some of the confessions were, you know, based on rumors that were going around that the Pope definitely knew about. But a lot of them, you know, it was just so blatant that it was obvious that this had come from torture. And so there was sort of this legal dance between the Pope and Philip over the Pope wanted to question some of these people directly himself. Is that, uh, is that
0: ice cream truck back out in front of your I house? I know
2: it's like the first day of spring here, so the ice cream truck is out for the first time. Sorry, everyone. I'm just gonna try to ignore it. Um, no, it's
0: making me kind of happy.
2: <laughs> um So eventually, Philip agreed. Okay, I will let you question a select number of knights that we've arrested, and he sent most of them to Avignon in in France, where the Pope was staying. However, on the way some of them were separated off including Jacques de Molay the Grand Master and other high ups in
0: Grand Master Flash the original
2: other high ups in the knightly order and it was claimed that they were too sickly or they were you know unfit to travel and instead a lot of lower knights were sent on to the Pope and when the Pope interviewed them a lot of them recanted and claimed that what they had said was under duress their confessions were You know, false. They'd been tortured. They were making
0: them watch Ridley Scott movies while they said them. Right.
2: And the Pope, you know, was like, well, I'm going to send cardinals to Cochin to interview Jacques de Molay and see what really was happening. And basically, it's a very weird thing that the Pope was able to find out. Um, and a lot of the claims of heresy that Philip was alleging were based in truth. So here, here is what uh, uh, Philip was claiming: he was claiming that the knights or the Knights Templar were were practicing a heresy, and they were spitting on the cross, they were denouncing Jesus, they were engaging, and doing gay stuff, they were engaging in homosexual activities, yeah. and they were worshiping a bearded <laughs> idol.
1: that was illegal
2: back then well uh, uh, worshiping an (laughs) idol was illegal but if it had a beard it was even worse
0: you weren't allowed to watch zach galifianakis movies
2: (laughs) what's kind of cool about the order is that their knights weren't allowed to shave so they had long beards and this was a period of time where most europeans didn't have beards so i don't know that's pretty cool anyway um, unlike today a time where most americans do have beards unlike today where most people in brooklyn bearded um (laughs) but so this this is a very uh this is heresy basically and when the pope found out about this he was obviously obviously alarmed but after he had questioned people like jacques de molay the grand master and other higher-ups he learned actually what was going on and it's very odd but it's this thing to do with that vow of obedience um So when Christians were captured in Muslim lands, they were often tortured and often made to denounce Christ. And they were made to do so by spitting on the cross. So part of the initiation ceremony of the Knights Templar, after they had gone through the standard vows where they had pledged themselves to the order and pledged to follow any direction issued, but also to defend Christ, the church and the Holy Land with their lives. They were brought into a secret room with one other person, their initiate, the initiator, and they were presented with a Christ and were told to spit on it. And the reason for this is very odd. Uh, It was a test to see what the new initiate would do because they had just been given an order that conflicted with the vows that they had made. They were supposed to defend Christ, but they were supposed to do whatever was they were told to by members of the order. And so when this happened, a lot of these new initiates would refuse, even if they were, you know, presented with threat of torture or death, and others would go along with it. And this was basically a way that the administration of these different orders would figure out what kind of assignment they were going to give to this new initiate if they do were, they give them the one
0: where they spit on crosses <laughs> or do they give them the one where they don't
2: so like if someone steadfastly refused to spit on the on the cross even in, under pain of death that was the kind of person that they wanted fighting on the front lines but if it was someone who went along with it they knew that they were you know a different that type guy of guy was
1: ready for administration yeah
2: they were a different type of obedient and that guy was ready to work in the bureaucracy so that aspect really did exist in the knight's initiation ceremony
1: this guy who spit on the cross has middle management
2: (laughs) (laughs) but when i read that i thought it was so fascinating that it's like it's such a counterintuitive kind of test um but then another aspect of this knightly order is that it had a kind of fraternity vibe to it and so there was hazing involved and Another part of the test. This is be, where the gay stuff. Yeah. Another part of the test would be like, hey, new initiate, if another knight ever asks to sodomize you, you have to do it. Hence uh, the two dudes riding on the horse. <laughs> and then another thing that would happen is they would often, the new initiates would often be made to um, kiss the uh, belly button or the asshole or the penis of uh, the knight initiating them. And this didn't have any basis in the uh, original uh, initiation ceremony devised by Bernard de Clairvaux and Hugh de Pen. Wait, there was nothing about rim-jobbing in the original, <laughs> original charter of the Templars? Nope, surprisingly not. Um, and this was basically just a haze. It, it didn't really have anything to do with... Uh, um, the the order itself it was basically just them wanting rim jobs (laughs) and so in all of the testimony that philip had been able to get there were you know a select number of people that had confessed to homosexual acts um but this is like six out of one thousand it was a very small percentage and it doesn't seem that homosexuality was actually um Uh, a secret tenet or a secret practice of the Knights Templar. It seems very much that these people were just, you know, having homosexual uh, sex outside of the rules.
0: It's kind of like there was these two dudes who uh, we saw at a bar last night at Local Edition in SF. And these guys obviously didn't have any girlfriends and they didn't have any money. So they were doing that awkward thing where they were like hugging each other a lot. It was kind of like that. These guys didn't have any money. They didn't have any girls. So sometimes they'd rim-job each other. It's not a fucking crime, people.
2: What were you doing last night?
0: <laughs> oh, I was, uh, I was rim-jobbing guys last night. <laughs> um, uh, no, oh, sorry. That was an improv show I had last night.
2: So after this uh, interview at uh, Cochin and these cardinals presented this to the Pope, he realized that this was a type of a heresy – but because it was being committed by the order's bylaws it absolved the individual members of the order so an individual knight was not committing heresy by following the rules of order of the Knights Templar and additionally he said this just needs reform. Jacques Jacques de de Molay uh, just reform these laws get this hazing shit out of Your initiation ceremony. And while I recognize that the spitting on the cross thing is controversial, it seems necessary to the order's uh, obedience and loyalty. So it can remain, but just twerk it it a little bit so that it's not so offensive. Yeah, the the kissing of the buttholes. (laughs) Twerk that. Oh, did I say twerk? I meant tweak. (laughs) You didn't twerk. Uh, we can't stop Um,
0: well yeah so the knights were twerking um and like but then one of the knights like caught a table on fire um but then jimmy uh from the man show came on and revealed it was all a hoax
2: um so at this philip the fair is pretty pissed because the pope has basically absolved this knightly order um but also While they've been under uh, arrest, and this is, uh, you know, multiple years, um, he has gone about dismantling the uh, architecture of the Knights Templar in uh, France, basically getting all their treasure. So he is making himself rich off of all of this treasure that he has found in France and was not expecting to the Pope to commit this kind of investigation to the degree that he had and then subsequently to absolve it. Now, the absolution decree that the Pope wrote was never published, and it was actually only found in uh, Vatican archives in 2001 by this woman, Barbara Frale, or Frail. I'm I'm not sure if she's actually Italian, but it's F-R-A-L-E, and she's written a couple books on this. I read a couple of them. Barbara Waluigi. I read a couple of them, and they were very concise summaries of everything that happened. So I would recommend them. Unlike what we do here. Oh Jesus. We're almost at an hour and a half. I'm sorry. Yeah, we are. (laughs) I'm sorry everyone. I'm trying so hard. Um...
0: Gene and I are obviously not. (laughs) Brian, you're doing great.
2: I'm trying not to interrupt. (laughs) (laughs) So Philip realized that he was sort of beat, but he also recognized that if he publicized this stuff, the Pope would be in a bad spot it would seem like the Pope is going against the church itself by allowing this kind of heresy to take place. And so he negotiated a sort of truce with the Pope where, yes, they would dismantle the knightly order, uh, and it was already too poisoned by the rumors that were going on all throughout Europe and the Middle East, and that it was basically irrevocably damaged and the pope went along with this and philip sent jacques de Molay and some of these higher-ups to fucking ice cream chuck hold on (laughs) ice cream (laughs) to the island of ice cream truc realizing that the order was totally tainted the pope kind of signed off on uh uh, (laughs) they were tainted by the rim job affair uh signed off on philip the fair executing and so he went he signed off on executing a ton of the knights and this is all over france and uh, in various other parts of europe uh, under control by different kings but uh jacques de molay and some of the other high ups were sent to an island in the seine facing notre dame they were put on uh, giant uh, uh, spits and they were burned to death
1: holy shit <laughs>
2: um His last slow fire, according to rumor or legend, Jacques de Molay cursed the pope and Philip for betraying him uh, and said that uh, God would avenge the order. And indeed, coincidentally, one month later, Pope Clements died. And about eight months later, uh, Philip had a stroke during a hunting trip and he passed away as well. So in, and that was in, uh, uh, third, oh God, was it 1312? Yeah, 13, that was in 1312. So the order had lasted almost a full 100 or 200 years. And this, this basically totally dismantled it. The leadership was dead. Many of the top knights were dead. A lot of their property was either assumed by people like Philip or, uh, under, order of the Pope was passed on to the Knights Hospitaller, um, that other order that uh, that was from the hospital in Jerusalem. Um, and the order basically disappeared. It had been very powerful and a very pow- powerful military and financial institution for ages, but it just suddenly disappeared over the course of about three years. Um, this has given rise to a lot of rumors about the Knights, and one of which is that they never went away. Um, That the execution of a lot of these top knights definitely, you know, definitely happened, and a lot of the leadership was executed, but that this was actually supposedly a secret plan by the Knights to get rid of a bad element of the Order, and to go underground in order to keep the administration of the treasures that they had and a lot of the knowledge that they had uh, safe. One of the rumors is that when on uh, Thursday, October 12th, 1309, uh, the night before the mass arrest order went into effect, Uh, a fleet of knights sailed from a French port with a bunch of the treasures that they had accumulated in France and they headed towards Scotland. Uh, You might, if you've ever read the Da Vinci code, uh, it ends at this place called Rosalind temple or chapel in, uh, in Scotland near Edinburgh. Did you read the Da
1: Vinci code?
2: Pardon? Did you read the Da Vinci code? God, I read it ages ago. It's ridiculous. I read it too when it came out. Oh, it's ridiculous. Um, I've actually been to Rosalind Chapel, and, and wow. when I was there, I, I was with my friend Mike, and as we would pass by other tourists, he would whisper, if you find the temple, I'll split it, or if you find the Holy Grail, I'll split it with you. <laughs> I'll split it with you. Just cut it in half. That's uh, a great deal for Mike. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> if you find it, I'll split it with you.
2: Um. Uh, and that's exactly what uh, what the, the story goes, is that they went to Scotland, and they founded this thing, Rosalind Chapel, which supposedly housed some of the relics not not the true cross which had been lost during the battle of the hordes of hatton but other things including the holy grail and that it's
0: based exactly on the architecture of king herod's temple or something like that
2: yeah that's another claim uh it's it's not true um
0: It's it's, like roughly similar. Yeah, it's roughly
2: similar, but and
0: King Harrod's had like these three levels beneath it, so some people say that there's like fucking treasure beneath it or whatever.
2: Yeah, but uh, but temple Templar churches were, you know, designed to specifications, and it's it's just coincidence or inspiration. It's not. It's like how
0: multiple Taco Bells have the same fucking layout. Because who's going to design different Taco Bell (laughs) layouts for Christ's sakes?
2: Um another uh, isn't really, there
0: Masonic stuff in well, that temple too
2: that is another thing because uh,
0: and it's before the Masons but after the Templars so they're saying like maybe this is proof that it bridges the two and that the Templars and the, the Masons are you know linked somehow
2: right So the so when they were in the Temple of Solomon in Jerusalem there's this sort of fantastic story that when they were expanding the Temple in order to house this growing order knights that were digging up the um, foundation of the temple discovered something. Uh, it's it's there are tons of rumors about what they discovered. Some uh, people
0: say it was the Ark of the Covenant. the Covenant. Some people say it was the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Some people say it was the Shankara Stones.
2: Some say it was the Young Indiana Jones Cross. <laughs> the Cross of Coronado. Um, well, whatever, whatever it was, it belonged in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, they claim that it was proof that. Uh, Jesus married Mary Magdalene and had children it was proof that uh, the Virgin Mary had other children uh, there's a lot of rumor about what exactly it was that they could have found but proof Ian McKellen just did that movie for a paycheck <laughs> but it was like some sort of secret information that, that the order kept to itself that you know most knights didn't even know but that the order was devoted to keeping secret and per- perpetuating this is a lot of the basis for the da vinci code which gets a lot of its sort of fictionalized accounts of these things holy blood holy grail holy blood holy grail the um the basis of which is that the word s-a-n-g-r-e-a-l uh which is which is french it can either be sangreal which is holy grail or sang real holy blood royal blood yeah um Uh, A rolling and that that book, like when
0: it first came out, um, people thought it was real, it was like the 70s or something, 60s or 70s. Like people thought that this was like a legit story, and then eventually it was revealed that a lot of the stuff in in that book is a bunch of horseshit. Uh, it was also before the Vinci Co came out, it was also the basis of um, Gene, you might remember this the Gabriel Knight adventure games. There was like a
1: man. Great point and
0: click game. <laughs> yeah, it was a great point and click. And uh, Tim Curry played the main guy, Gabriel Knight. He was like this Narland's uh, inventor slash you know, used book salesman or whatever. And the third one w- was actually um, all about the um, the Sangreal uh, um, legend that that this went into and basically Da Vinci Code is like a ripoff of this nineties point and click video game. So
2: <laughs> yeah. that's another reason pretty
0: why much. fuck the Da Vinci Code. Not only does it suck, but it's like, it's a worse version of a video game <laughs> with Tim Curry in it.
2: Um, uh, That kind of thing though, Holy Blood, Holy Grail and Da Vinci Code has a pretty lengthy history and it's, um, from like the era of napoleon when um, you know democracies were come were becoming or not democracies but non monarch uh, monarchical uh, states were becoming more common um, uh, tyrants, as opposed to kings, right? Actually, I mean, it goes back to the Thirty Years' War, where basically non people of non noble blood were achieving more financial success, and so they were becoming more important people in society. They started to found uh, orders and, um, you know, secular organizations that allowed them to fraternize with like-minded people and advance their causes and advance new money. Their stuff, yeah. It's it's basically like guilds and stuff. And that's where the Freemasons come from. Uh, These kinds of guilds that were devoted to, um, you know, putting people of power in touch with one another in order to network and in order to get things done. Um, And give others a helping hand that sort of thing Uh, Do weird ceremonies and robe shit right and um actually this knights templar episode is the beginning of a sort of a series so every episode that i am uh, in charge of hosting for the next i guess couple months um it's going to be about another secret society and we're we're i'm going to sort of Put off the Freemason stuff oh, because okay. the next episode is going to be about the Freemasons and their link to the Knights Templar. Uh, is it real? Is it made up? What is it? Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a big part of that ne- next episode. But Man, I they- hope we don't get canceled
0: before that episode comes out. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know Come if on, iTunes ordered this. Keep us going. <laughs> yeah, has iTunes ordered the
2: back nine yet, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Cross your fingers out there and fans right in. Um yeah. But yeah, so that's basically this uh, summary of the Knights Templar. These rumor or these rumors about their continued rumors. Ru- these rumors. Rumor fought for Saladin. <laughs> these rumors of their continued existence in secret uh don't really have a basis in reality. Um there were there are a lot of esoteric literature that started being ri- written in the seventeen hundreds, and this point and click adventure games. yeah it gave it gave rise to like plays about it, uh, point and click adventure games and books by Dan Brown and movies by Ron Howard, um, Apollo thirteen and a beautiful mind, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean even the um, you know Indiana Jones it's a very rich myth it's a it, it's a thing that oh really have yeah, the happened. brothers
0: of the the brothers of the cruciform sword yeah, for over a thousand the, generations or and, whatever the fucking grail has been held a secret and these dudes in fezzes have prevented yeah. you from finding out
2: my soul is prepared um
0: i yours why did i, I do that Yeah, issue? why
2: do we do that in sean connery um but uh <laughs> the order did exist continue to exist in other forms elsewhere so in portugal instead of being dismantled it changed to be the orders of the knights of christ um and these orders typically did similar things to what the knights uh, templar had been doing which is banking um but also doing things like caring for the poor uh providing alms uh, and, Murdering uh, <laughs> and uh, gay stuff, you know, gay stuff. Worshipping a, a bearded idol named Pfomit. um Oh, uh, we should also get into um, just
0: one more thing. Some people said that that bearded idol was actually the uh, disembodied head of John the Baptist.
2: Yeah, which is awesome. Uh, that's like yeah, a that's pretty badass kind of a thing. Um, yeah, but uh, but so it, it, in in certain ways, the night the night Templar did live on, but. Primarily, anyone who claims to have uh, an historical association with the Knights or part of an historical lineage linking them to the original Knights, it was made up after the fact. Um, a lot of uh, organizations, so like there's an, a Christian organization in Jerusalem today uh, that claims to be descended from the Knights Templar, but only in spirit, not any sort of active link or personal link to them um so that yeah that is basically a nice templar i'm sorry that went on so long uh hopefully the final edited episode isn't so long but um i gotta go lee golden uh the knights templar inside job or not
0: oh um i mean how do we define inside job like were they a secret organization
2: however you want
0: um i think i think it it was they made up (laughs) i think they were a real thing uh i think that it was definitely an inside job by philip labelle to take them down um did they have secret mystical objects that uh protected them and shit no because then they would have been protected uh do they still exist to this day hard to say is the da vinci code overrated of course
2: <laughs> and uh i'll say that um it was an actual order and there were, were a lot of esoteric asp- or arcane aspects to the way that the order managed itself. Um, but to believe that they had, for instance, a piece of the true cross or, um, uh, you know, the Ark of the Covenant. Hellboy. It's predicated on the idea that you believed that uh, Christian Christianity is real, um, which, you know, I don't. Or Jesus as uh, magic, as Sarah Silverman would say. Exactly. Um, so I think that if you look at the history and the machinations of Pope Clement and Philip the Fair, it's it's clear that they were this was political and um, financial maneuvering on their part. Was it a conspiracy? Certainly on the part of Philip the Fair, um, but yeah, I don't I don't think there's any arcane knowledge. I don't think they exist today in any form other than imagined or, uh, uh, uh what is the word I'm looking for? Ima- imagined. That's fine. Imagined links to the past. So I'm going to say not an inside job. Uh, and Jean, uh,
1: was it a real order? Yes. Is the crusades tableau the hardest where's Waldo? Yes. <laughs> uh, was it an inside job? um no it was not an inside job
0: okay
1: all right well
0: uh by the way you can get gabriel knight three blood of the sacred blood of the damned for 7.99 on ebay so just checking it out if you want to know more about this
2: (laughs) um if yeah and if you uh would like to write in to talk about how how long this episode was uh, um you can always follow us on twitter or Our uh, Twitter name is at InsideJobsCast. You can email us, InsideJobsCast at gmail.com. We're going to be back in two weeks with a brand new episode hosted by, I believe, Eugene F. O'Neill. And And if you're
0: really desperate for more comedy, come see me at the Exit Theater in San Francisco Friday, uh, April 11th, and Saturday, April 12th
2: indeed do that we'll have something about that on uh, twitter or our, our web page but yeah thank you so much for listening and putting up with this uh, longer uh, episode that's on the longer side uh, we will be back in two weeks with a brand new one until then follow the money Okay. Well I'm incredibly hungover, so <laughs> you say
1: I'm incredibly horny. <laughs> <laughs>